Welcome to the Catches You podcast. I'm your host, Jack Ferrick. Today's guest is Casey Dykes. Casey's been a Division I coach at the following programs, Western Kentucky, the Virginia Military Institute, and Indiana. Casey is currently serving as a coach in the New York Yankees organization and was slated to be the hitting coach for the Trenton Thunder AA squad before COVID-19. Thanks for joining us, Casey. How you doing, man? Doing great, Jack. Appreciate you uh, having me on here, man. I look forward to, uh, to talking to you today and, and spending some time on here. I'm super excited to have you on, man. I, I tell you, you know, the one thing that starting these podcasts and, and, and stuff is what I've really enjoyed doing is kind of taking conversations that I've had with people like yourself over the past couple of years and, and being able to have a format now kind of share those conversations, share those ideas and thoughts with everybody. And uh, that's why today, you know, you and I, you know, when, especially when you were recruiting, you know, for the, you know, uh, at BMI in, in Indiana and, um, you know, we, we would talk about, you know, the character and, and player makeup and, and, you know, just, you know, what were, what you were looking for in a guy and, you know, what I would look for in, in developing a player and, I think one thing that you and I always really clicked on and when we talked about was being a great teammate and looking for guys that you wanted in the clubhouse. You know, obviously the physical, the physical evaluation was always super important. However, um, you know, when you got turned, when you started talking about scholarship or, you know, role, you know, that the character of the player and, um, you know, who they were as a person, I know became very, very important. Uh, for you in the recruiting process and just, you know, overall in the evaluation process as a, as a baseball player. So I thought today it would just be great to kind of sit back and, you know, share some ideas on what it takes to be a great teammate and, um, you know, kind of you know, pick your brain a little bit and, you know, get, get your thoughts out there. And, you know, like the first, the first thing, you know, we, you know, we talk about is like, what is the first thing, you know, about a player's character or um, presence that, you know, you, uh, you notice? Yeah, man, I remember all those talks. Uh, I remember the talks on the road and, and on the phone and, you know, calling you, you know, late at night, driving back from wherever because, you know, I knew you'd be up grinding on something and, and uh, you'd be wanting to talk baseball and, and talk about guys and, um, and and just chop it up. So uh, I appreciate all those hours and, and I know there will be plenty more of them in the future. Um, but uh, I think for me, you know, when it comes to meeting – a player, just like meeting any person, um, you know, maybe cliche when I say this, but, but the eye contact and handshake initially is, is always the tone setter for me. When you get a chance, I think that's in the recruiting world in college baseball right now, there's a lot of that, that is, is maybe missing a little bit just because the recruiting is getting so young and with the, the recruiting rules, you're not getting guys on campus before they commit and you're not getting a lot of one-on-one -on -one interaction outside of talking on the phone you know, to them and, and watching them play. Um, so you miss a little bit of that. Um, you know, it, it's part of it, though. And, and you know, for, so looking at it from that point of view, I, I think trying to evaluate, you know, how, how a player, how a person you know, interacts with those people around them. You know, you got to really be really be aware of that and, and watch how they interact with their teammates, how do they interact with their coaches, how do they interact with, with their parents. Um, you know, on the field or off the field uh, at tournaments as you're kind of walking around and, and, and watching guys, that stuff holds a lot of weight because you can tell a lot about who a person is um, by just watching those actions. Uh, watching how, you know, how they compete, you know, how competitive. I know, you know, we talked about it a lot um, when I was, you know, you know, maybe calling and asking you about guys in, in your area because I knew, you know, even outside of, of, of your teams, uh, you had a – uh, a really good idea of, of all the players, you know, in your area, even, you know, Northern Virginia, even, you know, down in central Virginia and up into Maryland. And we talked about guys from all over the place uh, just because I knew you had a lot of good relationships with players and coaches. And, and that was something we talked about a lot. It's like, you know, what's the, what's his presence like? How, how, how does he like to compete? You know, how does he, um, how does he practice? You know, does he enjoy it? Is he, fun is he uh you know an uh, energy giver and and at the end of the day man does he just love to win you know does, right. is he just a winner and and you know I remember asking you that a lot about guys and and that was stuff I really cared about and and I know you do too 
and so we we hit it off and 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 props to you um you're pretty much right on 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 every guy you uh you know gave me a gave me an eval on uh from from that standpoint so um but yeah the, you know all that stuff for me is is stuff that's important and and i think it's it takes a lot of focus uh on the outside to to see those things and notice those little things but you know throughout the game and throughout tournaments as you're watching these players and watching how they interact there's you know how they treat their you know their their parents and their coaches and their players is uh, says a lot about just who they are as a person and how they're going to be when you when you have them in your program. No, I think that's huge, and and I think you know even you know our conversations it would get me to kind of lock in on even more. And and I remember you you talking about how kids you know you know how they interact with their parents. You know, are they appreciative? You know, of the mom and dad that got up at five a.m. to drive them for an eight a.m. showcase game. Uh, you know, you know, parents, you know, where they thank, they thank their parents when you know they brought them a water or, you know, those are little things that I really started picking up on. And, and then the other thing that I think, you know, we would always talk about is, you know, what, how do his teammates react when that person fails? You know, if, if a guy fails uh, on the field, you know, does his team really have his back? Are they really pumping him up? Does he allow his teammates to kind of pump him up? You know, does he sit alone in the dugout? And, and I think that one, like sitting alone in the dugout, I think was one thing that we talked about that I thought was really kind of a cool thing as far as um, being able to see that level of, man, this guy's struggling and he doesn't want help. He doesn't want to be with the rest of his teammates. Um, and then obviously, like you said, like we always talk about, is the guy a winner? You know, is the guy going to play – you know, in the, in the collegiate level, is he going to play as hard on Friday night as he does on Wednesday? Is, you know, is that midweek game, is he going to give you everything he's got um, just like he would if, you know, it was a playoff game? And, you know, because real winners don't really care about what the situation is. They just want to go out and win. And and I think that, you know, for me, I, I think that was, you know, I think that really is huge. And, and the respect level of parents, of parents and to coaches, um, you know, really does go a long way because it, it today's game, you know, especially like we were talking about, like how young recruiting's getting, you know, it's, you, you really, you see the physical maturity before the mental maturity in a lot of these kids. And, um, and I think, you know, I, I agree. Like, I think that it, it's kind of, it's almost a wait and see. And, you know, you have to rely a lot when it comes to that kind of evaluation on people to tell you, you know, how a kid is. And there's, and I think the other thing too, and I know one reason why I think you and I always hit it off was because just because a kid's somewhere at 15 years old mentally doesn't mean he's going to be there at 17, um, you know, and, and allowing people to know that, Hey, right now this kid, you know, he, he doesn't get it yet. He doesn't learn, you know, um, you know, we talk about, I talk about catches all the time. Like, you know, great lead, leadership from behind the plate is a servant leadership, you know, when catchers can get off of their individual play and they can start taking just as much pride in their pitchers or their defense or whatever, and they really want their teammates to succeed, I think that's when um, those guys really get to make a jump as far as uh, being leaders. And a lot of times at 14, 15 years old, they're still really working on individual physical progression. They haven't had time to really think about their teammates. Um, you know, and and we're kind of, you know, the, the next question we were kind of talking about was like, you know, what in your opinion, you know, makes a good teammate, you know, if you want to kind of dive in a little bit deeper on that, you know, um, and not just from a recruiting standpoint, um, yeah. you know, let's shift now to like the guys that you've coached that were great teammates and, um, you know, the impact that they could bring to a ball club. Yeah, the, the the first word that that comes to mind for me is is accountability. Uh, when I think about the guys that I played with or or that I've coached uh, or even that I've read about that are that are like the greatest of all time, whether it's in baseball or or, or basketball or football or or whatever else it is, it's it's accountability and and to me, what accountability is 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 doing whatever it takes to to hold yourself number one, and, and then to hold everyone around you to an expectation without ever deviating from that expectation. 
no matter the, the circumstance or the situation. Um, not because this one guy is maybe a little closer to you off the field, so you're not going to be, you know, you're not going to hold him quite to that standard because maybe you don't want to, you know, risk ruining, you know, that relationship or friendship you have with them. Or, or this guy is two years older than me, but I see that he's not doing things the right way. I don't know if it's my place to say something. Uh, the best of the best, like they don't care about that. Like there's a standard and they're not going to deviate from it and they're going to hold everybody to that and they're going to do whatever it takes to do that. And, and I think creating that culture is, is extremely tough. Um, but, but the way to go about doing that is, is creating an environment where, where age, uh, statistics, social status, you know, whatever it may be, like those things don't matter. Um, the environment needs to be created to where the, the people are empowered who just do the right things. Like the people who do things the right way are, are, empower, are empowered in that culture. And ultimately doing the, doing the right thing is, is built on just a foundation of work. Um, you know, it's built on a foundation of, of competitiveness, of grittiness, of, of just the everyday, um, the everyday grind of, of doing things the right way, even when I don't feel like it. And, and that's, that's where accountability is, is, is earned. And, and, and then, you know, then it's, you know, the next step of that is to, to, um, you know, hold those around you to that same standard. Yeah, no, and I think, you know, I mean, that's, that's awesome. And that's awesome stuff. And I think, you know, the other thing, too, is to kind of think about it, is like you just said at the end, like, even when it's also being a, allowing others to hold you accountable, when because, mm -hmm. you know, we're all human, and there's gonna be a day where, you know, we, we're not, we're not physically at our peak, or we're not mentally at our peak. And, you know, I, I think a lot of these, you know, a lot of really good teammates, you know, a lot of people always think it's what can I do? What can I do? Sometimes it's what can I allow happen to myself as well? Um, great point. You know, where, you know, hey, look, man, I, I struggled. I struggled today or I'm not doing this. You know what? And that freshman comes up to me and I'm a junior and I'm a senior or I'm a captain and I'm a leader. And that freshman comes up to me and gives me great feedback. Am I going to allow that kid, that player to impact me positively? Or am I just going to say, well, no, you're a freshman. You know, like when right, I had that right, same right. opportunity that I, you know, when I'm trying to lead, when someone else does that, you know, how's it go? Like I, I've really worked hard, you know, at, you know, in, in my catching academy and, and, um, you know, my high school program, you know, in my high school program, what we try to do is we, we name captains to each age group and they're, and the, you know, in the beginning I pick them and then the kids can kind of pick them as they go. Uh, you know, and, and, and the goal is, is like freshmen. Okay. You're in charge of all freshmen, you know? So that means, you know, for a freshman, it's okay. If I, I put something out that everyone gets the information, but you're in charge of making sure everybody gets it. Sophomore right. year, you're in charge of sophomores and freshmen, juniors, you're in charge of juniors, sophomores, freshmen, seniors, you're in, you're in charge of the whole program. Because I think a lot of times, especially at the high school level, it's so hard to ask a senior to be a leader when they've never had any experience leading, you know, and it's, and it's, and it doesn't, and it's, and it's, you know, it's hard. Like peer leadership is very, very hard because like you said, a lot of times there's not a culture where you can hold, um, you know, each other accountable because there's not a standard that backs up somebody individually, you know? And I think, yeah. You know, that, that's why, you know, I, I work so hard and I know you do. And, and I mean, I mean, think about, you know, out of all the major league organizations that, you know, you, you could be a part of, you're, you're probably a part of the most tradition organization where culture is truly the standard there. Um, you know, it's that culture allows you to have the confidence, I think, to hold kids accountable. And, and I think, you know, that's a big thing that, you know, can you know, go but yeah like what you got yeah I think I, I think um you know as you're as you're sitting there talking about that and something I hold to uh, a high value for myself and um and for for players I coach or 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 teammates I've had that that I think um are some of the best is is humility too you know like that's that's where that's where in this whole 
realm of, of culture and leadership, um, humility allows you to, like you said, it allows you to sit back and maybe take that feedback and understand that, you know, I'm human too, even though I'm one of these leaders, even though that, you know, majority of the time I'm the hardest worker and, you know, I do things the right way. Um, there also may be a better way. And, and I only can understand that that way maybe is more beneficial to myself or the program or the team. If I'm humble enough to sit back and just listen. And, you know, I think we're seeing that a lot in, in just the culture of baseball as a whole, uh, where a lot of things are changing and a lot of, a lot of people are uncomfortable. A lot of guys who have put in, you know, a lot of time in this game playing and coaching and, um, you know, it's been their life for forever and they're seeing this change and, and change is hard, you know, right. and, and a lot of times it's, it's tough to really comprehend it when what you've done for so long has, has, has worked and, and it's, and it's been well and done well for you. Um, and you've seen it work for so many people around you, but the ability to, to sit back and listen and humble yourself and just take it in. It doesn't mean that you have to accept all the information or that you have to um, now change all your ways, but just the ability to sit there and listen, I think holds a lot of weight and, and the best leaders I've been around, they don't always agree uh, with people who give them information. Uh, but what I've, what I've witnessed them do is, is be able to sit back and, and not try to talk or, or prove somebody wrong, but just listen to another point of view, take that in, break it down, chew on it and see if maybe, you know, maybe there's something I can take out of that information to, to make myself better, make those around me better, uh, make the game better as a whole. And, and so, you know, I think that that holds true to, to being a good teammate as well. No, I mean, I think that's, I mean, that's spot on and, and you know, change is inevitable because, you know, now you have more people that are spending more time focusing um, you know, focusing energy on how to make things better, you know, how, how to make things more efficient. You know, I like an example in the catching world, you know, the one thing that I've seen in the last three years is, and kind of going back to the word accountability is I see a lot of quote unquote new school catching. What what's happening is the accountability of pitches are starting to not all be on the catcher. There's starting to be a little bit more accountability on the pitcher as far as, hey, listen, if I'm going to steal this pitch and I call this pitch, like if you miss, there's a certain way you're supposed to miss so that I can still get that pitch. If you miss in a way that is not anticipated, I'm not going to be held accountable as much as I used to be as far as, okay, now I just got to catch it. Like it's not going to be where I set, you know, and it's kind of like, okay, there's zero accountability on the bump and it's all, you know, it's all, um, you know, focused behind the plate. And I think that's hard because I do know that a lot of these guys that teach catching, you know, are first of all, every, every guy I've met coaching catching has just been an awesome human being. Um, it's, it, it's hard because it's worked for so many people. And when you have success doing something, you get confident. And when you get confident, then you're able to talk about it. You're able to teach about it. And then when all of a sudden there's a different way to think about it or a new style that people are bringing up, you know, I think that becomes, like you said, like it kind of knocks at your confidence a little bit saying, whoa, am I doing this wrong? And I think, you know, especially in the game of baseball, I think one of the reasons why baseball is so great is there is no one way to hit. There is no one way to catch. There is no one way to pitch. Um, you know, and the more, uh, diversity that you have in your game or ability to uh, do different things like that's really what allows you to always be ready and always be you know adaptable uh, to the situation you know and I think um, I really do I, th I think I think it's just like like you said like change is so hard and but if you're able to not just like when coaches are coaching a player very rarely have I seen a coach with malicious intent when he's giving feedback to a hitter or giving feedback right. to a catcher. Like they're weird. We very rarely are trying to hurt someone's feelings. If ever, when we're giving that, we're trying to help. We're trying to get them to see it a different way. And I think coaches who are able to kind of have that same 
uh, mentality when it comes to new information, new ideas, I really think that will allow you to, um, to grow as a coach. You know, I mean, my father, you know, was a high school football and, and baseball coach for over 30 years. And, and I remember one of the greatest things he ever said to me, he goes, the day I know everything is the day I retire, you know, and um, he retired. He still doesn't know everything, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, um, but no, he, uh, but no, he would, he would talk about that. And he would always say, you know, like us growing up, you know, he was a high school coach. Like I didn't play for my father until actually I got to high school. Um, and then that was the longest, uh, for started football practice, freshman year, August, and then ended senior year baseball in June. So that was a long four years. But, um, before that we always played, I always played for somebody else. And my, my dad would always talk about how, how to learn something from everybody. And, and then it was, at first it was our, our coaches and then it became our teachers. And then, you know, he'd tell us, okay, now do something about your friends. Like what's one thing that you really like that your friend does that, um, that, you know, uh, that you'd like to do better at, you know, right. and then what's thing, what's one thing that your friend does that you don't want to be. And then that's how you kind of form who you are as a person and your beliefs and stuff like that, you know, and that's the same thing, you know, that's the same thing, you know, in baseball is like, that's the same thing in baseball. Like, Hey, there's going to be things that, you know what, you don't necessarily agree with, or you don't feel comfortable teaching. So, you know what, you let somebody else teach that because in, you don't get, a, you know, you don't get upset because, Hey, that's going to have success for somebody. I mean, right. very rarely do, do people get confident when there's not something to back it up success wise. Um, but, you know, kind of going back to, you know, being a teammate, um, and this is one that I struggle with as a coach. I struggle with, especially in the showcase world. Um, and, and I know it, it's just tough because, you know, we're always trying to climb the ladder in youth baseball. You know, amateur baseball is all about climbing the ladder. Um, you know, you start in an organization, right? You want to be on the top team right? And you're trying to stay on the top team. Or if you're, let's say you're on the second team, then you're, you're trying to move yourself up, right? Then you get to high school, right? And you, you're trying to play varsity, but while you're playing high school, right? Now you have the summer time. And then the summertime, you're trying to get seen, you're trying to get signed, and it gets very individual. And I think, you know, what's the difference, you know, in your mind between a selfish teammate versus someone who is working really hard individually? It's tough. Um, that is tough because this is going to be a little counterintuitive of what I just talked about from the humility side. Uh, even though in this instance, I, I don't think it, it correlates a ton because I, I think the, the greatest competitors of all time have, have, a, have a real sense of selfishness to them in the way they go about their work. Uh, when I say that, I mean that they're selfish with their time. Like time is time is a, a, a non-renewable resource, right? Like we're, we can't we can't get time back when when it's when it's gone. Uh, so they want to make sure that their time is invested, and that takes selfishness in a sense that you have to separate yourself from. Uh, outside distractions and other things that are going on, you know, off the fields. Uh, maybe it's time with friends. Maybe it's, you know, time doing, you know, different hobbies and things like that that are all maybe good things. But at, at that time, what's most important to you, you know, and, and if that's, you know, being the best player that you can possibly be, being the best version of yourself on the baseball field, uh, then, you have to make sure that you make the most of that time. And, and, and I think that requires a little bit of selfishness. It, it really does. Um, but, but I also don't think that that, that selfishness um, is detrimental to, to a team atmosphere. Mm-hmm. If you have a group of, uh, you know, 12 hitters on a team and all of them are, are selfish to, uh, to that extent with their time to where they're not going to waste time that every single day, they're going to make sure they do everything they can with that time to prepare to be the best hitter that they can possibly be. You're going to have a pretty dang group 
dang good group of of, of hitters. Right. Like those dudes are are going to be ready to compete. Um, and then it becomes now when the game starts, and now it's time to take all eleven of us and form a unit and and go you know attack this pitcher on the mound and, and go try to score more runs than the other team and. Um, and, and then, you know, it shifts a little bit away now from, from that selfish mindset of, of preparing, you know, myself to be the best I can be to now, how do I do whatever I can to help this team win a game? I, I when I was, you know, had the opportunity to coach with, with Jeff Mercer at, at Indiana, you know, something he, he would always tell our guys that, that stuck out to me. And, and I think about it all the time is if you want to be trusted, then you have to be trustworthy. And, and a lot of that is, you know, if you want to be trusted, I think about this and, and kind of when it comes down to being a good teammate, but also being, you know, selfish in, in, in your development, you know, and, and becoming the best you can be. If you want to be trusted um, by your teammates in the time of competition, when, you know, you're in the box and that guy on deck, uh, the bases are, we'll say that runners are, we'll say runners are at second and third and I'm in a three, one count. And I really want to drive those runs in if I'm in the box, like those are my runs. Like I, I want to drive them in, but I'm more likely to, you know, understand the situation and know that, Hey, first base is open right now. He doesn't have to give me a cookie three, one fastball down the middle. If he does, I'm going to be more than ready to hammer it. But I also understand that if they choose to pitch around me, that this guy behind me that's in the, you know, on deck circle right now, I've watched his work. You know, I've seen him put in the hours. I've seen him, you know, I've seen the way he's treated his body. I've seen the sleep that he's, you know, gotten in preparation for this weekend series. Like, I know he's ready. So now I can be way more relaxed and not try to get out of, you know, uh, get out of my – uh, my approach to go try to do more than I'm capable of doing. And, you know, if they want to, you know, try to get me to, you know, chase a slider off the plate and, and roll into a, you know, a soft out in that situation, I can comfortably take that pitch, go to first base and know that this cat's coming up with bases loaded and, and he's ready to go. So, um, you know, that's kind of what I think about. Um, and, and when I, you know, think about the selfishness, but also being a good teammate. Well, and, and I think it's, it's, you know, we were kind of talking about it. And I think what we talked about first before we even started talking about the individual is the uh, standard and accountability of a program. And I think, you know, just listening to you talk, I, I think, you know, it's funny is when there's not a standard or accountability in a program, you probably see guys not trust the guy next to them. So then they'd start acting selfish where, you know, they're in a program where three, one, second and third, and they feel like if they don't swing, the guy behind them um, won't, won't be able to get it done. And I think that, and that's why I think you see a lot of guys like people go, well, why do certain high schools send so many guys to division one programs? Why, why do so many of these private schools, why do they have so many first round draft picks? And, and it's funny because it's, you know, we always think of accountability and standard as an individual trait, which I, I still believe it is. But man, when you can have the help of a true program or a true culture where, you know what, it just gives you that confidence to stay the course, to stay true to that accountability. Kind of like we talked about, like allowing yourself to be held accountable to the same standard. And I think, I think, you know, talking to you I mean the way I'm going to start kind of thinking about it is all right if I see a kid that is maybe trying to do too much you know that might be the first question I ask him now instead of being like hey man you do too much like hey man why are you trying to do so much you know right. you um, may be surprised by you know you may be surprised by what they say right you know it's like you, you may get some you know some honest feedback and and asking questions I, i'm a huge believer in in asking questions in general um just to try to learn more about players and how they think and 
and all that. But you ask a you ask a player that, and and you may get some some real feedback that tells you, right. you know, I'm I'm trying to get it done because honestly, I you know I don't trust the guy behind me, right. and then it's kind of you know maybe we're evaluating, you know, we're we're as a coach we're pissed off at, at him for right. for not doing his job, but we don't know the why behind it, right? Uh, and maybe it's somebody else that you know our focus right. needs to be on and and trying to get them to do what they're right. supposed to be doing. Maybe the guy behind him is the guy that skips weight room and he's the guy that stays up till three o'clock in the morning playing call of duty or, you know, right. you know, he's, he's that guy that, like you said, he's not trustworthy. So now I try to go outside of the team to try to do more. So no, I, you know, I, it's, it's crazy when you, when you do these kind of talks, like you, you start, you start expanding, like, you know, and it's like, you start thinking about stuff out loud and, and I really do. I think like, that's something that, you know, when I see a guy, you know, pressing or, or trying to do too much, you know, ask them about that. You know, I mean, obviously in showcase ball, I think what really hurts that is um, the formats have completely changed where, you know, it's, you know, you're playing one to two games a day, or even if you're playing just one game, um, you know, you're not doing a, an infield outfield before you're not taking on field BP. So those, you know, two, three at bats that you get, you know, there's a lot of pressure in those nine to 11 pitches to try to show somebody, and, you know, and, 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 you know, I mean, it's a lot easier to say, okay, that kid can swing it when you see, you see him turn around, you know, nine, three, you know, and, and pull side double, right. Um, compared to three, one count, second and third lays off a slider and takes his walk. Like I think certain people see that. And I think that's why certain people always seem to get steals um, because they, they, they go a little bit deeper into the IQ and, and, and things like that. But, I also think that's something that, you know, really like when you're talking to, when you're talking to kids and you're talking as a coach, you know, ask them those things. Like, you know, again, just like no coach has ever had malicious intent when he's trying to get feedback, very rarely is a kid, is a kid probably trying to fail um, or has, you know, (laughs) or has bad intentions, you know, um, up there, you know, he, you know, and, and I think that's huge, you know, and like, it's like pitchers, you know, pitchers, um, who are struggling with command, you know, they're not trying to struggle with command, you know, but a lot of times I think we get so wrapped up in, you know, why is this happening rather than talking to them and saying, okay, what's going on and how can I help? How can I, you know, how can I, um, you know, how can I be a better service to you? And like I said, as a, a, a running a catching academy, I always try to talk about that. And I always try to talk about how guys um, can hold guys accountable without without being overbearing yeah yeah I think the especially the younger players uh that I've been around sometimes too have have a little um misconstrued definition of what being competitive is and they get in the game and like you just said like nobody doubts that you want to win in the game right like I, I know that you want to win. That doesn't necessarily tell me, though, that you're, quote, a winner or that you're competitive. What you do outside of those seven innings, if you're in high school or nine innings or, you know, if, if you're in, you know, college ball or, or whatever, um, what, you're doing, what you do in your lifestyle, what you do in the cages, the work you put in there, that tells me the type of competitor you are. The fact that when you show up on game day that you want to win, yeah, so does everybody else. Like that, right. that doesn't separate you. Right. Um, that doesn't make you a, a quote winner. And, and I think a lot of people do think that it's like, no, like no, I'm just trying to compete. You know, it's like, I, I understand that you're competing, but what have you been doing for the last four days to prepare right. you, you know, to be successful in this moment or, or at least to put your best foot forward today in, in this game? No, I think, I mean, that's huge. And I mean, I have some great examples of, you know, being down in, you know, perfect game uh, in, in Georgia and you play some of these big organizations that have a pedigree of getting draft picks and, you know, they, they have their charter bus or, or what have you. And, um, you know, I remember there was one team from Texas a few years back that had a couple first rounders on the, on, on that actual roster. And, uh, you know, the team we were, you know, coaching was a bunch of local guys and, you know, they go to Georgia and they play hard and, couple guys, you know, maybe go into the hotel weight room and get a little bit, and you know, or whatever, and, and maybe get some early work or whatever the next day. But, you know, this team was, won the game, was getting on the bus. I think they 
they had all gotten like a weekly membership to the, the the local gold's gym or wherever it was. They went to a, they went to a, you know, got a full workout in, you know, their guys were doing all their stuff and, and, and they were, and they were grinding away. And that's when I was like, I was like, that is what you want to be mentally. Like you want to be at that point where it's not just about, you're going to have your fun, but there's, there's a standard to be done. There's work to be done. And I'm going to get all that done first. So that, like you said, I'm not preparing for today's game five minutes before the game. I'm always preparing for that game and how right. and how I how I approach, you know, everything that I'm doing. So yeah, no, I mean, I think that's, I mean, I, I think that's gold. Um, one thing that I've really been trying to talk a lot about with with guys, especially young kids, because um, leadership is so hard. And like we said, there's just so few opportunities that most kids get to actually lead, right? Like, like very few catchers call games now at the youth level, right? There's very few guys that uh, empower their players, right? So, you know, one thing that I try to talk about with my guys is just communication um, mm -hmm. and their ability to just talk to their teammates. You know, I was like, you know, uh, a six or I know, I know it's COVID-19, but I was like a six inch conversation where I'm talking very quiet goes a long way over a 60 foot conversation where I'm trying to yell or shout and try to direct, um, you know, when it comes to like you, like how do you value a player's communication skills and ability to interact with his teammates? And there, and, 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 and a cool thing too, in the pro ball world, like with communication, I feel like it's even tougher to communicate when not everybody speaks the same verbal language and, and everything like that. For sure. Uh, I can look at this from a, a couple different ways. Uh, I, I learned very quickly in my experience coaching in, in professional baseball now, you learn how good of a communicator you are uh, when, you have to, when you have to teach somebody who doesn't speak your language. And you have to, you know, figure out a way, whether it's letting the environment and the drill, you know, create the development for you, um, or you have to show and, and use, you know, uh, body language and, and different types of communication skills outside of verbal um, to communicate the point you're trying to get across. But for me, communication skills, the, abil the ability to, like you said, you know, interact with teammates is, is, is everything. I mean, communication is everything. Uh, players who can communicate can transform locker rooms, like absolutely transform locker rooms from the youth level to uh, the big league level. Uh, and, and you hear it all the time. Uh, even, you know, now the draft, you know, draft went on obviously first round last night and, you know, two through five today. And, uh, you know, guys are getting, you know, graded on that. Guys are getting graded on, you know, what type of, um, you know, makeup they have or, or character they have because ultimately all those guys are extremely talented. You know, every guy who got picked last night in the first round is like the best at what they do. But you're trying to get guys that beyond that have ability to to change, you know, push and change the the culture. You know, I'm fortunate to be with with the Yankees and be able to hear guys, you know, tell stories um, about the greats. You know, I, I don't have to name drop any of them. I mean, you can sit there and you know all the greats that have played, you know, for the Yankees and uh, just to hear the stories of of how they just transform the, 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 the line that they held and, and that they held everybody to and the standard they held everybody to and, and the way they were able to communicate with people of different backgrounds and uh, that spoke different languages and, you know, came from, you know, different places and different regions across the world. And, and, and all that stuff holds, holds a ton of weight with me. And, and, and I think it speaks a lot about, you know, your, your character and, and what you represent when, when you can, um, you know, communicate with all those different people. You're not just stuck in, you know, this, this one area where you're comfortable. Um, you know, it, it takes definitely getting out of your comfort zone and, and being able to do that at a high level. So uh, yeah, it holds, holds a ton of value to me. No, I mean, I just, yeah. And I think it's, it's, we always like, <laughs> and, and, and I know you, you think this way too, like 
when we think of hard work or we think of leadership, we think of guys like, you know, Rocky, right. Or the Creed montages, right. Where guys are just absolutely going nuts. And, you know, you've got your war movies where guys are yelling leadership stuff and, and guys are following them, you know, blindly into, you know, battle or whatever it is. And, you know, and, and I think that is like the end game, right. That's like when I have reached the pinnacle of being a leader, like where in that moment, I can yell something and everybody is behind me. And I think, you know, again, going back to how we first started this, like, I think the hardest part is people skip the, the beginning part, which is talking to your teammates, knowing the standard, and then holding everybody accountable to that standard. And I think that, that to me is really where the value of communication is. And I know, for coaches, allow that to be there. Like, let your standard be known, you know? I mean, every person that you've coached with, you know, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think I, – I, I think I know for a fact, no matter how good of, we think we are as leaders or communicators as coaches, nobody is going to talk more to each other than the players to, the, to themselves. The player – they're always going to talk – you know, to themselves more than they're going to talk to the coaches. They're going to spend more time together, um, you know, in the locker room or, or in the cages or, or even at their homes or at the pool, you know, hanging out with each other. They're going to spend time and they're going to talk. What they talk about is so key and how they communicate with each other is so key. And we have, an, we have the ability, we have the opportunity um, as a coach to – you know, on an individual basis, build relationships with those guys, those players, and and let them, you know, cultivate this, um, you know, whatever it is that we want to get across, that ever, whatever it is we want to push across is our standards and, you know, our expectations as a program so that when they talk, that's what they're talking about, you know, and, 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 you, and you have the ability to, to, to listen to them, you know, listen to them, talk to each other, like understand what they value as, as, as an individual and as a team and, and what they want to spend their time on and, and what they think they're good at or what they think their weaknesses are and learn from that as, as a coach, because at the end of the day, uh, all we're trying to do is create an environment that helps them become the best versions of themselves um, as individuals and, and as a team. Um, and, and the best way to do that is to, to get to know them and, and to, you know, build that relationship and, and just love on them and care for them and, and try to provide whatever you can, uh, that they need. No, yeah. And I think, you know, listening to your players talk, you know, I think, you know, you're doing a great job when you're on the bucket or you're in the dugout and you're, and you're coaching and the conversations that you're hearing to the side are about the game. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, the younger kids are normally the more distracted they are. Um, you know, even at the high school level, you know, you get a lot of kids that are talking about things that aren't really about the game or, or whatever. And, but you know, like when you have the culture, right. And you have it right. It's, it's, it's really interesting to see how focused everybody is. And, and, and I think one thing is just, it's because they have the knowledge base to be focused, you know, they're looking for things, you know, um, you know, you, you know, every, everybody in Northern Virginia knows that my high school program, uh, we run, you know, we, we, right. we, we run, run, run. And, and then when you think we're done, we're, we're going to go run again. And, um, you know, one thing that our guys have really kind of bought into when it comes to uh, our dugout chatter is breaking down a pitcher, you know, looking for any little advantage that our base runners can have when it comes to stealing second, you know, or stealing third, you know, is, is a guy super quick. You know, we, we've had a ton of guys where, um, you know, they, 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 they tell each other, cause you know, I'm at third base and, you know, our dugouts in first base. So it's not like I can really communicate any knowledge that I have until that next half inning. Um, and you see kids like talking and, and, and the reason why we've been so successful, I think last year we stole 135 bags and got thrown out seven times. So we were 135 for 142, <laughs> right? And, and I don't even have a steal sign. Like every guy, doesn't matter if you run a 6-0 or an 8-0, everybody has 
you know, a green light. And, and it's, it's, there's a trust and there's a, um, there, there's a standard, you know, cause the other thing is too, guys don't get thrown out. Like if you get thrown out, the kids hold you accountable. And, right. you know, every time we get thrown out, you know, I, I always make it look like it's me because, you know, that's, I, I'll always wear it. If a kid gets thrown out in a bad situation, like, that's on me because I need to do a better job communicating on, you know, when we can go or, or what have you. But, um, you know, I, I think w- what I was getting at is like, they really have picked up on that and they focus on that where, you know, you'll see guys like not even looking at me at third base, like peeking in the dugout and I'll see guys like, you know, like rocking their shoulders or, you know, like, pointing to like a certain spot on, on, on the body. Like, and I think that's, that, that becomes really cool. And, you know, when, when you can have that kind of talk and, and, and everything and that focus, like it gets even, you know, even better. Like I, I've, you know, I've coached, uh, I've seen a couple, we have a couple of youth teams that in this area that are ranked nationally. And, you know, I, I get, you know, they're 11 and 12 years old, which I know is, you know, super young, but like, they go all over the place and they, and they play people and um, the level of baseball conversations that these kids are having, is just fun. It's fun to be around, you know, like we've got kids that you and I coached in catchers U camps that are now, you know, going in the seventh grade and it's like the renaissance of baseball IQ is starting to come back because these kids take the time to talk baseball. They, they take the time to, Hey, you know, why do you do this? Or why do you do that? And like you said, like conversations and dialogue are really what allow you to have culture because I remember one time, I, I mean, I was, you know, I, Hey, <laughs> this is pretty face didn't keep me out of getting yelled at, but <laughs> I still remember one of the, one of the funniest things now that I was ever said. And I, and I've really thought about it was I had a time I had a coach say, Hey, this is a monologue. All right. I'm going to talk. You're not. We're not having a dialogue. And I remember being like, man, like, gosh, like that to me was like the ultimate, like, I don't want to do that. Like now there's times where I don't want a kid to speak where, and that's different because I'm not teaching in that moment. <laughs> like that's, that's a disciplinary moment, you know? Um, but any kind of teaching environment, like you want that conversation, you want that dialogue. And I think as a coach, if you're vulnerable enough to show communication with your team, with your players, I think then it empowers them to be vulnerable enough to then be able to communicate and talk to their teammates. Right. Oh man, dude, this has been awesome, man. And, um, I really appreciate the time, you know, I know, uh, your boys, you know, gotta get, gotta be chopping at the bit to get rolling. Um, (laughs) you know, um, dude, like I said, man, like every time, you know, you and I, we get together, we start talking, like, I just really do. Like, I really, it, it, it opens my, my mind up and, you know, it allows me to really try to, you know, think about ways how, how to improve and um, take new on, take on new information. And, and I really think like, that's the key, like, you know, for people that are listening to this, like, you know, always take information from somebody and then find out for yourself if, if that kind of information is something that you can apply. And if it's not, Hey, no big deal. Um, but yeah, yeah, I man, agree. I- I, um, you know, I think something I heard, uh, I forgot who it was now, uh, talked to, talked about kind of that same concept and, you know, basically the point of what they were trying to say was, um, if, if you, uh, if you don't take the time to, to listen to others, um, you know, opinions or facts or thoughts on, on things that you have uh, also have opinions, facts, thoughts on, then you're truly not that convicted in, in what you believe. Um, and, and, and I thought that was, that was really cool because if you're, if you're truly convicted in what you believe, then you have no problem listening to other people and, you know, having that dialogue with them and, you know, and talking through it and, and, and only it's only going to make you either number one, better yourself by maybe looking at things from a different perspective and adding on, um, to what you already believe, or it's going to make you even more convicted, you know, in what you believe. Uh, and, and I think that, 
that's really cool. Uh, you know, you're bringing it up about having those conversations with players. And, and I think it goes the same for players because players, they have thoughts and beliefs. Like try telling, a, you know, a guy who, you know, just signed a, or who's about to, you know, get paid $4 million as a, you know, whatever mid mid first round draft pick that you think he, you know, needs to make a, a small, you know, mechanical adjustment to his swing. Like you think that guy doesn't hold that swing like pretty tight to his heart. Right. I mean, he, he does, you know, yeah. and, and right. it's going to be a really hard conversation to have unless you're both convicted and you're both humble enough to just have a conversation and show each other why and have a dialogue about it. And, and then, you know, and then kind of go from there and, and, and whatever way, whatever direction that conversation takes you. But uh, the ability just to have that conversation is um, holds a lot of weight just in itself. Nah, man, like I said, dude, great stuff. And um, really do, man. I appreciate you being on, uh, being on today. And like yeah, always, I appreciate man. you having me, man. This is awesome. I always love talking and, and just chatting with you, man. Always pick up some things and love the way you think. And obviously you got your hand in, uh, a lot of a lot of things up in Northern Virginia and and just that whole region of, of baseball at all different age groups and you know all the way from you know the youth to even the pro guys who are who are still coming back and you know training with you that you've coached in the past and um, you know you you crush all of it so uh, enjoy watching what you're doing and and always enjoy talking. I appreciate that, brother, and hopefully we we uh, get our. Get, our, get the ability to come out and watch you up in Trenton sooner rather than later. And, um, you know, uh, excited, man. Like I said, you know, you're always one of the guys that I, I never mind it. I didn't mind when you were like, uh, Hey man, uh, I got six hours. You think you can help me kill three, you know, um, <laughs> you, know um, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and like I said, then, you know, we look at the clock and, you're like, hey man, it's only it's only an hour and a half left. You know, you keep going strong, but yeah, let me let me get some coffee. You know, but um, <laughs> but no, man. Like like I said, man, I appreciate you being on. Um, we'll talk soon, and uh, for sure, you know, really, really thank it. You know, thank you for coming on, man. And, and absolutely, man, I appreciate you. We'll um, we'll we'll talk soon. I'm sure. Thanks, Casey. That was today's episode of the Catches You podcast.